happy monday everyone i'm back we made it to season two of grab it bizarre sex news yay so a big thanks to everyone who's listening and a big shout out to the people who have the courage to write me so that they can get some sound advice I hope everyone has been enjoying this summer sunshine, regardless of the political climate, which is pretty rough. We should all be enjoying what's left of this beautiful earth. All right. So for season two, I'm going to be doing the podcast a little different. Last season, I would post two separate shows and one would strictly be about the latest Bizarre Sex news. And then the second would be about me answering letters from my fit friends and fans. So, me and my team have decided to condense this into one show. So, the first half will be two to three newsworthy stories, depending on the length of that story. And the second half is going to be me answering three letters. So, please feel free to let me know if you like this new format. So, let's get started. But before we do, I want to give everybody a gentle reminder. If you are not 18 or if you do not have your parents' permission, you should not be listening to this podcast. Okay, thanks. Let's get started. All right, so let's jump right in. Our first story is about a study that was done, and the study concluded that 50% of dating couples wait for a month before having sex. An online medical consultation service called DrED.com carried out the study. They found that almost a thousand candidates from the U.S. and Europe participated in this study. 50% said before they got physically intimate with their partner, they waited for almost one week to a whole month. And the other 21% said that they took their own sweet time by which they meant six months before having sex with their partner for the first time. So how long did you wait before you and your partner started having sex? I think this is a great story to ask those questions to because I think a lot of us think that you know we're all young and fun and we're just gonna date whoever and then we just immediately go into it but this study is actually showing that that's not true that there's only a small small, small percentage of people, you know, it's like what, 30, 20 some percent that are actually only doing one night stand. So that lets us know something, doesn't it? It does. So now go ask your friends, how long did it take them to have sex with their partners? second story comes from a health daily reporter by alan moses it is about the holistic practices that sex could actually help and the title is called is sex good medicine for parkinson's so monday july 15th of 2019 the health news daily wrote that there's a claim a new two-year study has tracked the sexual habits and disease progression among 355 parkinson's patients This is in line with data showing a close relationship between sexual health and general health. 
both in healthy individuals and in patients with a chronic disease, said the Italian-British study team led by Dr. Marino Pasillo. She's an assistant professor at the University of Salnoro's Center of Neurodegenerative Diseases in Salerno, Italy. Pasillo and her colleagues concluded that early stage male patients who are sexually active do experience milder disease progression and a less dramatic loss of motor skills and other disease symptoms compared to those who don't. But there is one catch. This finding only appears to be in men. Our third story is about universal credit. Single moms are being forced in the UK into sex work. This story was written by Ray McGarrell and Nomia Iqbal. It's from the Newsbeat Reporters. It was written the 22nd of July of 2018. A woman who remained anonymous has become a prostitute as a last resort after being left short of money by UK's universal credit. Her story is becoming familiar to the group of MPs looking into survival sex, women being forced into sex as a result of the changes to the economy or their benefits. This is something that shouldn't be happening in a wealthy nation, says an independent MP, Heidi Allen, who's on that work and pensions committee. She says that she is shocked, embarrassed, and angry. The universal credit system is supposed to help with living costs, replacing six benefits, including housing benefit and child tax credit. But since its introduction in 2013, it's been accused of making things harder for people receiving it. This woman had her son, who is disabled when she was 18 years old and has relied on the benefit system to support them both. She says that there are some weeks after she's paid her bills that she doesn't have enough and she thinks, I have to do this. This woman is very matter-of-fact about this situation. She says making money to support herself and her son was the only, always the priority, but admits the experiences have left her traumatized. She is quoted saying, I always have lots of showers. Once there was this guy, I could smell him on me afterwards. He was a big, disgusting man. He said he deliberately didn't wash for a week because he wanted to be near a woman that's clean. It was disgusting. One guy, his mom, opened the door and he was in the shed in the back trying to make me do drugs, so I had to get out of there. She paused and she says, I do get scared of dying. Some men take things to a whole other level. The Work and Pensions Committee, chaired by the independent MP Frank Field, launched an inquiry in March after listening to the concerns of the charities, the English Collection of Prostitutes, which campaigns for the safety and decriminalization of sex workers and has often linked universal credit to sex work. It has given evidence to this group. Heidi Allen, a British politician, says that she quit the Conservative Party earlier in the year because of the party's rollout of universal credit. The welfare state should be there to pick you up when you are at your lowest, she says. At the moment, rather than a net that's holding people up, it's dragging them down, and that's what we need to change. Around 700,000 lone parents miss out on an average of $2,380 a year because of the universal credit. 
the Institute of Fiscal Studies reports. Research economist Tom Waters says it's to do with timing. You have to wait at least five weeks now to get your first benefit payment. Although the government has made advances available for that period, it can be difficult times for people that don't have any other resources to go on. The female says having a disabled son to care for makes it even harder for her to find a job that fits her schedule. The government needs to get a system where they can put enough money in people's banks, she says. They really need to understand that we're not like them. We don't have loads of money. Both British politicians, Mrs. Allen and Frank Field, have been humbled by what people have shared with them around the UK. Both will be making recommendations to the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, Amber Rudd, but Heidi Allen is worried. Amber is the best on this, and she gets it, Allen says. But when we have a new prime minister, which will start the 23rd of July, all the ministers will probably change as well. We could be back to the drawing board once more. What changed my mind was hearing the testimony of some of these women in front of the committee, says MP Will Wentz, a minister from Family Support at the Department of Work and Pensions. He'd originally dismissed the link between sex work and the universal credit as anecdotal, but has now done a complete U-turn. His job isn't safe either, but he says that that won't stop him from raising awareness. Do not underestimate our determination. Even if I'm on the back benches, we will continue to be a champion on this and other issues because we feel strongly about it. Allison has not given evidence to the inquiry over fears of social services being alerted, which the commission has reassured won't happen. However, she says she stopped doing sex work due to being in a loving relationship. I'm still on universal credit and my partner helps to look after me and my son. She goes quiet for a bit when asked if she'd ever return to sex work to make her ends meet. And she says, honestly, I dread thinking about it if we ever split up and it's just me and my son. I don't think I would ever have a choice, really. Okay, so after reading this, I just wanted to put my little two cents in on this. I feel that this particular story with this particular person who they have interviewed, it should have been, you know, an offering of education or job training from the government as well as compensation for that. Survival sex work is actually one of the most dangerous forms because you're desperate and you're out of that desperation. You can make desperate mistakes like improper screening, low booking rates, and going into unsafe locations. Sex work should be legalized and treated like any other occupation, not just for the safety of the people who work in it, but for the safety of clients as well. Everyone needs to be held accountable for their actions. The reason people don't steal from grocery stores is because they know there are consequences. Video cameras, arrests, public shaming, public records. So let's do more for the adult sex industry. All right, so we've reached the second half of my podcast. This is our letters to Jessica section, so let's jump in. We're going to go with our first letter. It is from a female from Oklahoma. She writes, Dear Jessica, I've been in an on and off situationship, (laughs) I like that term, for seven years, and girl, I am tired. I need advice. He doesn't want me to leave for good but I'm ready for more than just an on and off relationship. 
He is not making an effort to change. I'm so confused. Please help. Signed, tired of being in a situationship. All right, so the advice that I give anybody, female or male, when they feel like they're in a relationship and it is not going anywhere, it is to leave. And then I also, after you leave, I want you to think about the time span that you've been with that person and all the things you could have accomplished in seven years. Seven is the number of completion. So in seven years, you could have got a degree. In seven years, you could have changed your credit score. In seven years, you could have saved up enough money to take a round trip international all-girls cruise if you wanted to. Seven years, if you put it like that, it's a long time to be in a situationship. Now, that you've thought about the time, I want you to get real angry about that because you've wasted seven years and he's wasted seven years. Now, I want you to think about the years you guys were off. What forced you to want to be back on? Because what a situationship to me, what this sounds like is you guys probably have some really great sexual chemistry, but you both are not emotionally capable of having a real relationship. And please don't feel bad. Most people are not capable of having real emotional relationships until they get their inner workings cleared up. So now that you've asked yourself that question, what was it? Was it that the guy that you were with wasn't as fun as he was? Was it that you were just bored? Was it that it was proximity? Because studies showed that um, it's not usually the richest guy who gets the girl. It's not the smartest guy who gets the girl. It's the guy who is the closest at all times. And then on top of all that, I also want you to think about what kind of man would do that to you. And even if you were okay with it, what kind of man would still drag you around for seven years on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off? And when you guys decided to be on, were you guys taking it seriously or did you know that it was going to be off? And if the question is, we knew it was going to be off, then you guys need to leave it off permanently. Does that mean you need to call him and be like, it's over, I'm done? No. And a lot of women want to do that. They want to shout it to the rooftops and say everything that was wrong in that relationship and make him feel bad. But sis, you don't got to do all of that. Because again, y'all was on and off. So you can turn that switch off and keep it off. And once you turn that switch off and keep it off, really focus on what you want your next guy to be. Because the whole point of you dating is you date with purpose. It is not to continue to date one guy and then have this guy in the back burner just in case that guy doesn't work. That's not how that works. If this guy doesn't work, you say, oh my gosh, I am, you know, I'm glad that I met you as a friend, but we didn't work. And you keep moving forward like you are riding a bicycle. You don't ever look back. Because if that man really wants to be with you, there would be no off, right? And I think you're confused because 
there are emotions involved. And anytime you have a sexual relationship with somebody and it's years, and this is years, this is almost, this is three years shy of a decade. So, you know, they tell you if you guys have dated for a full year and he hasn't, he hasn't asked you to marry him, then we know why he's there. And this is seven years, so three years shy of a decade. So I think your number one thing is you just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, realize that you can do better. And honey, I know you can do better. It just doesn't seem like you can do better because he's in your brain. But you need like a 90-day to 180-day detox away from him. Change your phone number. Um, If he comes over, don't answer the door. If you need to have your homegirls around you who are you know, standing with you in solidarity. So when he does come over, they can answer the door be like, she don't want to talk to you. But this is that point in your life that you can make that change. And you're like, what kind of change are you talking about? I'm talking about that change from being okay with being a side piece to actually being a queen and someone who will look at you the way that you deserve. And there will not be an on and off. It's just on own like Donkey Kong all the time 24-7 honey so that's what you need to do and I hope that I helped you with my advice I'm sure it wasn't what you were expecting but usually like I said the confusion comes in when you stop you know when you're having sexual relations so my suggestion is stop having sex cut him off completely and I guarantee your clarity will come back to you and you'll be like damn what okay yeah I was tripping thanks for the letter Our second letter is from a female who gives no location. She says, hey, Jessica, I am a woman happily married to a lovely man I've known most of my life. Our relationships rarely gets into any serious argument other than an occasional dish left in the sink for too long. Other than that, he is great. My problem is over the past three months, I found myself flirting with a male co-worker and enjoying the attention I get from him. It started as just conversations and a friendly joke every once in a while, and lately it's turned into sexual innuendo type jokes being thrown back and forth between us. I haven't crossed any lines with him, but I don't want him to feel like I'm leading him on. He is a cool guy, and I want that friendship, but I don't want things to be too weird where I can't be friends with him anymore. I accept my part of the problem in craving his attention, but how do I get him to cool it on the sex stuff and stay just as friends? All right, so female, no location. Thank you for this letter. Unfortunately, there is (laughs) a lot going on. So you're happily married to a lovely man. And from what you've said, I think you don't want to hurt his feelings. And that is given. But you've also said that you guys rarely get in serious arguments. And um, you have known him most of your life. So with that being said, um, I have to I have to ask if he was your first. And if yes, he was your first, then um, this is kind of normal. It's normal. And I'm gonna just girl to girl, all tea, no shade, you know, no shade, no pink lemonade. I think you have a crush on this guy coworker, and I think you want a platonic crush. And unfortunately, that's not how the world works. Um, 
If anything, you need to cut this relationship off immediately because this man is seeing you as a married woman who I'm sure you've told him out of your your naivete or innocence about the things you and your husband don't do and the things that they do do. And I'm sure that there are some characteristics or traits that this guy friend has that your man doesn't. And like you said, you've known this man most of your life. I'm going to give you a saying that I've only heard men say. You know what's better than good pussy? New pussy. So that's what this sounds like. It sounds like you've known your husband for quite a long time. You are comfortable with your relationship. And as woman to woman, don't ever get comfortable in your relationship. Even if it's on point, you don't ever get comfortable enough in your relationship where his eyes start to wander or your eyes start to wander. And unfortunately, your eyes are starting to wander because you said it yourself. You are enjoying the male attention that you are getting from someone other than your mate. And it's okay to have these feelings. I want to be very clear. It's okay to have a boy crush. It's okay to have a crush on someone as long as you don't act out on it. And it's okay to have that crush as long as you are single. And honey, you're not single. It is not okay to have male friends separate from your husband's friends. If your husband is not friends with this man, if you and your husband are not friends with this man, if you cannot really share the conversations that you and this man are having without your husband coming out of a bag on you, then this man is not your friend. This man is trying to sleep with you. And I know you're going to say, damn, Jessica, you're being so hard. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to open your eyes. Because what I don't want to happen is you keep pushing for this relationship, but you don't want the sexual innuendos. And then all of a sudden he admits to you that he's always had a crush on you. And he thought that you had a crush on him, but you don't. And then things get super, super awkward at work. Because that's what's going to happen. And then it could either, it could go even further where one thing leads to another and it just happened that we had an affair. I was so angry with my my husband that I ran to so and so and that's how that's how affairs happen, babe. So my advice to you is if this man is as kind and sweet and protective and loving as you have stated in this letter cuz that guy sounds damn near perfect, you need to do everything in your power to protect that. And if that means that You need to say, look, I love you so much, but we have been together for a long time and I feel like maybe you don't appreciate me the way you did when we first got together. Let him know. And you don't have to say a lot. Men are not like women. They don't have to talk it out, but you just saying, pay more attention to me. He gonna say, baby, how? And that's your opportunity. Compliment me more. Talk to me about this. Give me flowers once a month. Start making a list and reconnecting back to that passion that you felt. Because I'm telling you now, the friendship that you have at work, it's not a real friendship. And the sexual innuendos are going to continue because this man wants to have sex with you. The only guy friends that I have ever had that did not make sexual sexual innuendos towards me were gay men. And they were still making sexual innuendos, but it was about other people. You hear me? So I want you to be very clear with this. Men can be friends, but this man, this particular man, who's always in your face, always making you smile and always 
he is just so funny. And oh my goodness, I just, oh, oh, oh. He is coming in for the kill. Because, hey, laughter is the quickest way to get in your panties. So just remember that, okay? Thank you so much for writing me the letter, and I hope that I have helped you. Our final letter is from a female in Cali. She writes, Dear Jessica, I am a huge fan of yours. I love your podcast and I just love how positive you are. Oh, thank you. She also writes, I feel ugly most times. Oh, no. I'm, I am not to some people. Sometimes I just don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to dress. I'm not really a girly girl. And how do I feel confident in my skin? I just feel like I'm so ugly and normal compared to other females. Okay, well, first off, I want to tell you that you are beautiful, right? We're all beautiful. I don't care if I have acne on my face, if my face is greasy, if my nails not done, my hair's not done, I'm still beautiful. And so are you. So this is just a matter of time. Style takes time. Finding who you are takes time. And from this letter, I think that you are probably in your early to mid-twenties. And I wish I could show you guys some pictures of my style when I was like in my late teens. I'll never forget that I used to love, 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 love to sew. But I was not a very good sewer, so I would hand sew a lot. And I'll never forget, I made this really cute dress. It was a skirt, and it had um, black and gray, like, tropical leaves on it. It was such a pretty pattern. And the black had the gray tracing, and the gray had the black tracing, and then it had a little splash of white. And when I say I thought I was going to be the talk of the town when I wore that skirt to school, I just knew. And as soon as I got upstairs, my mother said, go change and I said what she said first off that is a hideous color on you second off that material is for curtains and third off if you take another three steps those seams are gonna bust on the sides because it is so poorly sewn and I remember being fighting mad at her about that how dare she I'm a stylist and then I'll never forget before I had to take it off she burst into laughter she got the camera and she took a picture and I still have that picture and it took about (laughs) 10 years and I was like oh my god what the hell was I thinking ironically my mother has kept every single picture that I did in an ugly outfit that I knew looked good so I'm just gonna tell you that style comes with time when you find who you are you're gonna automatically pull items material clothing it's just going to automatically come to you and you will know what looks good on you what doesn't look good on you um I also advise you to watch um some styling shows um I'm not going to drop any names because there's so many out there because right now it sounds like you're one of those girls who like to dress comfortable but you also want to look cute and that is easy to do it's affordable to do and You just got to remember to find your style. 
You don't have to spend a million dollars. Just remember that a woman with style will never go out of fashion. That's one of my favorite things to say because people just assume that I spend thousands of dollars on clothes, hundreds of dollars on shoes. The truth is I take very good care of my items. Some of my items are secondhand and some of them are vintage and I just happen to know how to piece them together. So you will eventually get there. As far as feeling ugly, we need to be doing some self-affirmations every day. We need to be doing some, I am the light of the world. I am beautiful. I need you to um, start a group chat with your friends. And you guys need to send out positive things to each other every day, every day, every day. And you also need to ask your friends, what do you like about my features? What don't you like about my features? And I find once you start really going for the features, what you like about yourself, stay on what you like about yourself. Stay on that until your strengths are so big and so great that you can go ahead and work on your weaknesses. When you start working on your weaknesses, you can then go, okay, well, I'm strong in these areas, so I can work on these weaknesses and it won't it won't break you down so bad because sometimes when you work on your weaknesses you're like dang I'm not as good as I thought I was but if you have that strength of already perfecting your perfection or your at your good attributes when you work on your bad stuff it's not as hard to work out but that's like your number one thing is I want you to be doing a lot of positive affirmations and I also want you to be reading some really good books you know, um, Yama Van Zandt, I know, I love Yama Van Zandt. Yesterday I Cried is a really good book for everybody to read. It deals with feeling that unworthiness, not feeling the inner beauty that you should feel. Um, and I just, you know, The Four Agreements is also a really good book because it puts in perspective what you should be worrying about as far as your life, as far as your center, as far as finding out who you are underneath all of that. And social media, and I want to say that social media is designed to make you feel bad. They're going to show you pretty girls that you can get skinny if you drink this Hey, oh my gosh, my booty shaking. Ooh, ooh, get a booty like mine from Dr. So-and-so. You wish you had all this money. And come to find out, it ain't even their money. You know what I mean? So social media is geared towards that. Females are geared to be competitive because that is a trait that has been placed into our DNA. Women and men will always be socially competitive because at the end of the day, it's all about breeding. If the pretty ones get the guy, the pretty ones get the girl. But always remember that you are somebody and that you're beautiful and there's gonna be somebody a couple of somebodies because again from your letter you sound quite young so there may be a few somebodies who like you just the way that you are all you need is confidence because sometimes I find that when I look my very very best when I've got the lashes in the nails done the hair done (laughs) the clothes on point the heels on point people find that intimidating especially men but if I can wear some nice little yoga pants a tank top some slide on shoes and put my hair up in a bun with a headband have my face clean but I'm smiling I'm confident people flock to it 
you look like you're just so happy what have you got going on and that's the thing that I think you need to work on work on that light inside of you radiating so bright that it comes through and a way to get that light to shine through is by being positive being positive no matter what if somebody says yeah you're not my type well okay that's fine I didn't know that I was a blood type you know what I mean make a joke about it because it's not that serious and you can't take it personal that's his journey not your journey right so that's where you've got to go with this you've got to flip it around you've got to stop being your worst critic there's a study that suggests that people actually look nine times hotter than they think but because we keep looking at the same face the same physique in the mirror we don't see that Uh uh-huh yeah so don't beat yourself up so bad about it no one in this world is ugly no one what's ugly in this world is the way that people feel about themselves so right now your number one thing is hun you got to start boosting that self-esteem up and i know that you can do it because you know why because you're beautiful thanks so much for the letter and let me know how it goes Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Season two, we did it. Till next time, be good or be good at it. Bye.